You are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by Win, women and innovation. In each episode, inspiring female innovators share stories of succeeding against the odds in a male-driven industry. Their experiences come from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and innovation departments in Fortune 500 companies. I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, brand strategy consultant and global marketing lead at Win. Today, we are joined by Britta Mulderig, the head of marketing for Hello Alfred, a technology platform that is on a mission to change the way people live in cities by providing reliable help for your everyday needs, putting time back into your hands. Britta's impressive resume includes companies like Google, Uber, and most recently, Pillar, a personal finance app where she helped raise a $5.5 million seed round. Britta is a women's champion, both in the workplace and in tech, as an advisor for Built by Girls and a founding member of Chief. She's also on the advisory council for our very own organization, WIN, Women in Innovation. Please join me today in hearing more about Britta's story and thoughts on the innovation landscape as it pertains to city living. Let's get right into it. Your career has taken you to some of the most prominent companies in big tech, such as Google and Uber, as well as to the startup world with Pillar, and now most recently as head of marketing for Alfred, a tech platform that is changing how people live in cities. So what has been the strategy, the guiding principle, or a goal as you go from one job to the next? Yeah, so I will say I have bounced around quite a bit, Um, started my career in sports and entertainment, and then really saw the value in moving into the tech industry. So being at larger companies like Google and Uber, I was lucky to be in situations where it felt like a startup within a large organization. So you had the power of the big company while also feeling like you had a lot of autonomy, which has always been very important to me. So When I left Uber and was kind of thinking about my next steps, I was really excited about the opportunity to be somewhere very small. So when I joined Pillar, I was the fifth employee, the first marketing hire. Um, They were raising their seed round. So I got to be a part of that process, which was very interesting to me to really understand what you need to do to build a startup in order to get funding. And then from there, looking at Alfred, they're a little bit a lot of bit more established. Um, they've been around for quite some time, but still a pretty small organization. And I love the fact that it is a tech company, but also provides this human element to it. Um, you are helping people in their homes. There is um, a staff of people that help there. And what's really unique about the company is all of the Alfreds, the folks that do the grocery shopping or the in-home um, help, they are W-2 employees. So coming from the gig economy, it was really important for me to see um, a shift there because I do think um, having the full-time employees makes a big difference. So yeah, I think for me, it's just been what kind of excites me and where I think there's a long-term future and where I feel like can make a positive impact in the communities they operate or with the people that they help. Thinking back about when you were earlier in your career and, uh, you know, before you had this amazing resume and you were trying to land that first job, break down the story of actually landing that first job, whether it's the first big job or the first job with your foot in the door. Yeah. So um, I had interned in sports uh, while I was in college. So 
I thought I wanted to be in the uh, sports industry a thousand percent. So I had done an internship in Madison Square Garden over the summer once. And then I went to school in Tampa and the New York Yankees do spring training down there. So I got to intern there. So I think having those two very specific and obviously well-known names um, helped me when I applied to a job at the Tampa Bay Lightning. I actually had applied to an internship. It was um, my second semester senior year. And when I met who became my boss, we just really hit it off. And she saw the value of me having been at two sports teams and also being a PR major. So really understanding the nuts and bolts of the marketing, PR, advertising industry. And I started interning. I had very few credits, so I was lucky to be able to intern pretty full time. And it actually turned into a job. So this was in 2009. Um, I was halfway through my second semester senior year and I was offered a job, which was really incredible. And I do feel very lucky. Um, but also I think it just I worked really hard. I, I took it as a job and um, the internship when I first started. And so I was one of the really lucky ones who I had a job prior to graduating. Um, I then got to graduate <laughs> the same forum that uh, the same P times forum was the name at the time, the same hockey rink that I actually worked in every day, which was pretty cool. Um, I think it was being very, um, specific in the type of role I was looking for, staying in sports and kind of having that storyline. But yeah, the boss and I just hit it off and we really had the same vision for what it would be for marketing at a sports team. Awesome. And earlier on, as well as later on in your career, what are some productivity and efficiency hacks that you learned along the way? Do you have any magical software or tips or tricks? You know, for me, it's actually a notebook. Um, every day I start off by writing down my priority list and to-do list. It feels really great getting to cross things off uh, throughout the day. So I've always been pretty good about that. Um, have used uh, Excel sheets for project logs and managing uh, priorities. But at the end of the day, I think the handwritten to-do list and kind of setting my day up, knowing what I want to accomplish and where um, those projects lie has been really helpful. Absolutely. And obviously, you're at this amazing new role as uh, head of marketing at Hello Alfred. What are some of the harder times in your career? As what have what have been the challenges as you've risen to the top? Definitely being at um, Uber was tough. I won't lie. I was there during some of the negative press. Um, my career there went from everybody and anybody asking me what it was like because it was a hot company. It was growing so fast, and then it started to go a little bit downhill. There, it was really tough when friends and acquaintances would send me articles that were out there about Uber. Um, like I wasn't aware of what was going on, which that was hard because it just, it really shifted. And that's when I learned the importance of building resilience. I took it to heart. I considered Uber my baby and was very personally attached to it. So it was really hard seeing the negative press, but it did really make me after I left there, change my mindset on how to approach jobs and how to build resilience and not get as affected by things going on. Because at the end of the day, everyone does have an opinion, especially when it is a fast growing tech company. So you kind of have to block that noise out. 
and what, you know, what did you do in that specific moment? Right. So take me through what happens. You get a, a, an email or a text with an article. What do you do? At first, I would try to respond and defend, um, but that didn't get me <laughs> really far. I think the best thing at that point was just to block it out and realize that I was at the company. I knew the truth. And it, while there's always going to be issues at these companies, it doesn't mean that the entire company is like that. Um, so I went from really defending and trying to kind of push back on people when they would send me articles to then just blocking it out or saying thank you um, for sending it and then ending the conversation there because it just wasn't worth my time and energy at the end of the day. What I think is really interesting is that your role at Uber actually evolved in many ways. Um, you know, you went from partnerships to some general marketing, and then uh, your most recent role there was head of community impact and uh, partnerships for the Northeast, which to me sounds a lot more purpose-driven. So tell me about that role. What was that like? So uh, one of my first jobs there was um, in a partnerships role. And then that turned into uh, head of marketing for Uber Connecticut. So got to help launch that market. It was where I grew up. So felt really close to home to be able to do that. And I really saw the importance of doing the cool and sexy marketing while also working with the nonprofits and the community impact organizations to really build a positive brand reputation. Um, for every cool casino, hotel, or event you work with, you need to also work with different organizations that are really helping make a positive impact in the community already that you can align yourself with. So some of my favorite partners I worked with were Mother Against Drunk Driving, the NAACP, to really help move the needle. And at the time, we needed to get um, regulations passed in the state because there were no regulations that were specific to ride sharing. So that's where I really grew my passion for working with nonprofit organizations and seeing the importance of the community impact. So I transitioned into this role. There were changes at the company too, just merging markets after you launched a market and it had a few years on their feet, you could kind of merge them together um, to be more efficient in marketing and operations. So I was able to move into this role at the time in 2017, Uber still wasn't allowed in New York state. So it was in the five boroughs, but on outside of there. So I got to really help make an impact with getting that launched, whether it was working with um, community organizations or local government officials, really with the end goal of, having a positive reputation and having elected officials be excited about us being there. So then we were allowed to be there. And are there any specific moments in that, you know, in that role, in that um, launch that really stuck with you, good or bad? Yeah, I mean, that was, it was hard. Um, people had a perception of Uber. Um, some people had a negative perception. So it kind of brought me back to those times. Friends sent me articles. In that case, it was important for me to push back and show the truth and show the positive impact we could have. And sometimes it was on a very individual level. So being able to work with the blind community and talk to riders who kind of depended on Uber to get around because in certain situations in different states and counties, you have to, if you're going to get a ride through a service, 
you have to give them a weak heads up. So that takes kind of any spontaneity out of your life. So being able to talk to those specific riders and drivers, um, we had hard of hearing drivers at the time that we built a technology to help them become drivers. And it was a huge job opportunity where in a lot of situations you couldn't have um, a role. So being able to even see the individuals that we made an impact in, that really helped me shape the narrative and also just showcase the importance that um, a company like Uber could have in different communities. You know, you're an advocate for women for both in the workplace and in tech, and you serve, as you mentioned, in multiple advisory roles. The work you've done at Uber is incredible. So beyond the work at Uber, what inspired you to get so involved? Why do you do it? That's a tough one. I think it's um, I think it's a few things. I think I do at my core love working with different organizations that can make a positive impact. That's really what keeps me motivated and keeps me going and makes me feel personally fulfilled. Sometimes that can be in a job, but also other times you can't get that out of a job. So being able to look outside of a specific job role is really great. Um, when I left Uber, Uber was it was four years. So to some that might be short, but it felt like 10 years sometimes. And everything I kind of did was through that organization, serving on the women of Uber board. We did a lot of community service there. Um, and when I left, I felt like I was losing a lot of what motivated me and got me excited in my day-to-day life. So knowing that it was going to be hard to replicate a job situation like that, I was very intentional with kind of identifying different ways I could get involved in the community and help women in tech that wouldn't be based solely on a job, knowing that in the tech industry, sometimes you do have short stints. Um, You maybe are there for a year or two. So I wanted to have other things that I was involved in outside of my work to kind of keep them separate. And it honestly, um, I've been burnt out before and setting my life up this way really helped me avoid burnout because if I wasn't as fulfilled week over week in a job, I, I had other organizations and opportunities to feel fulfilled and really make an impact. So for me, it was about balancing my life and just waking up every day, feeling like I was making a positive impact. When did you first become aware of gender as something, you know, larger and a presence in your personal life or really in your in your career? Very early on, I worked in the sports industry, period. <laughs> Sometimes, um, you know, there were a lot of times I was very lucky in my first role at the Tampa Bay Lightning to have a woman boss, but that was very rare. There were a lot of men and quite often I'd be in situations where I was the only woman at a meeting, at a table, um, working on a project. And it became clear that I just remember early on people kind of questioning my um, motive for working in sports. Not sure if I really understood sports or was a fan. Um, I was and I loved it. But that really was the first time I realized um there were biases and it was different for men and women. And then moving into the tech industry again, that was the same situation. A lot of times I would be the only woman in a room, only woman on a team. And it was kind of exhausting at times. It just 
felt weird. And being close to engineers, that was even worse. I was lucky being in marketing where, you know, there frankly are more women in marketing roles, but on engineer teams, it was very obvious there were little to no women. And it just was, it was hard to see and watch and helping to make connections and helping people to feel empowered and have confidence to go into those roles was very important to me. I know it's not going to change overnight, but I'm hoping in my lifetime to see more of a 50-50 split, if not more. I am so thrilled at Alfred that the company is actually 60% female. It's founded by two women. And that to me was a huge motivator for joining the company I'm inspired by that. I'm inspired by the fact that these two amazing co-founders have really built a culture and a huge team that really doesn't have situations where you're the only woman in a room. And that to me is huge. When you became aware of gender as a presence in your career and in your life in those moments that you mentioned, how do you then act on them? At the beginning of my career, I definitely tried harder. So my sister always reminds me this, that there was a point early on in my career that I told her I stopped wearing makeup. I changed how I dressed, um, which was my way of trying to blend in a little bit more. But I realized that that's not the best way to go about it. If anything, I should stand out because it can help empower other women. It can help other women gain confidence and feel excited about going into these roles, especially in tech. So for me, it was at first like blending in and then realizing that I needed to be myself. I needed to speak my truth. So then it was getting involved in other ways, Um, becoming a mentor with Built by Girls, which Uber had a partnership there and getting involved in that. I felt really great. I felt the fact that I could help these um, high school students really see a future in the tech industry, having them come to the office, talking to them about my role, introducing them to other women engineers. Um, that was how I decided to move forward and spend my time um, trying to help the future. But yeah, it was tough. Um, you have to have a little bit more confidence and there's still speed bumps along the way. But sometimes I call people out if I feel like there's a situation where An example, like women are always taking notes in a meeting or having to order the event, um, the food and beverage for events, like kind of putting that on my male colleagues and saying, hey, like you can step up and do this um, just so you know, it's feeling like, oh, let's have the women handle this. And more often than not, actually men are really receptive to it and they want to be called out and those were the men I obviously were drawn to working with um, and continue that relationship because I do think everyone's interested in finding out these little nuanced ways that gender biases are still happening. But um, if it has to be me educating them, then so be it. And it is it is nice to see people really taking that to heart and saying, OK, let me know how I can do better. And so what advice would you give to other fellow senior women in the space? And what advice would you want to receive? That's a tough one. Um, I think for me, it took me a while to get here, but building my resilience has been the most empowering thing I've done. So really understanding that I can make an impact in the things I can control, but there's things out of my control and I shouldn't 
waste my time uh, ruminating on those and really focusing on it. At the end of the day, a lot of companies do have issues um, and people are learning as they go. But for me, it was really about building resilience, looking at situations and saying not how bad was this, but more how can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? And just learning to how to let things roll off your back a little bit. Um, there's always going to be bumps in the road, but if you take it home with you in the situation, you're maybe working from home. So it's a little tough, but leaving those things kind of at work and in a work situation and not letting it control your life. And look, I still have a tough time doing that. Um, when I work at a company or in a job, I'm definitely all in. I treat it like it is my company, but you have to also realize that there's, you can't sweat the small stuff. And that was something my grandfather and my dad told me early on. And I kind of say that in my head when I'm dealing with situations, um, you just need to find a way to grow from disappointment and defeat and not let it eat you from the inside out. And would that be the same advice you'd give to a young woman navigating her career? Or is there anything you'd want to share with her? Yes, I would give that advice to young women, but also, um, and this was advice I got from a friend and mentor early on. I was in a job role where I just felt stuck. I didn't feel like I was learning and growing. And he said, if you're not growing and learning, get out. Don't be afraid to. Don't listen to the sayings that you have to be in a job for a year and a half or two years, that you shouldn't jump around, that having a lot of positions makes your resume look bad. You look at my resume, I've jumped around. And I think I'm, I think I have a pretty good resume. <laughs> I think I've worked at some pretty cool companies. And as long as you have a reason for leaving and you're intentional, I think that's okay. I think it's okay to realize that things aren't a good fit. I think it's okay, like in my example, to go from sports and then realize, you know what, I want to be in the tech industry and shift your career. The worst thing you can do is stay stuck in something. I think that's also um, some resilience too. Like, how do you kind of look at a job where you're like, look, this isn't cutting it. I'm not learning and growing. Learn from it. Learn how to identify a company that would be a great opportunity and go from there. But don't be afraid or embarrassed of leaving somewhere quickly if you just realize it's not what you thought it was going to be. And fast forwarding to today, you are head of member marketing at Hello Alfred. So what is a day in the life in this role and what does your daily routine look like today? Yeah. So what's crazy is I did join this company during the pandemic, um, had not met anyone in person when I took the job opportunity. Um, I only just recently met the co-founders and some of my coworkers last week. So it's been, that's been tough. And I really empathize with anyone that's in this position because there's a lot you need to do in order to kind of get to know your colleagues. Um, one thing I have a hard time with is everything feels so formal. I'm definitely one of those people that loves being in person with my colleagues and even external like work people. I love being in person. I feel like grabbing a coffee and going on a walk is such a great way to get to know someone. Whereas in this situation, you um, you have to schedule a meeting, put time on a calendar, have a video call, and it just doesn't feel as authentic to me. But 
I've gotten past that. And I think um, a lot of people recognize like, hey, let's just schedule 30 minutes and jam on things. Let's chat. Not having a set agenda is okay. Um, I used to be in the camp that every meeting should have a set agenda. And now I've changed my mind there because I think you're missing that um, spontaneous conversation that happens in the office and you need to find ways to replicate it. So daily routine, um, I definitely prioritize mental health. So for me, every day I work out in the morning. If I save it for at night, it won't ever happen. So I have to do it in the morning, whether it's going for a run or doing a video, which really gets my mindset for the day. I still do writing my list. I've been using the same kind of notebook since my first job. So it's kind of funny, but it really gets me in the habit of writing my to-do list and kind of setting my intention for the day. What do I need to get done? Because I think some of the worst things you can do is set these lofty goals and then you end the day feeling disappointed that you're not achieving them. So you need to be honest with yourself with what you can actually achieve. Look at your calendar, look at your meetings and say, okay, it's realistic for me to get these three things done. But having a set of 10 things like that's just not going to happen. Um, and then a day in a life, um, I actually, me and my manager right now, we do meet daily because it just helps us stay in sync. Cause again, we're missing that in office collaboration. So we found even 15 minutes at the beginning of the day, like a mini stand up is really helpful. Day to day, it's very different. Um, when I joined the company, I was involved in one project and then that shifted. They, we do do a lot of sprints. So like, shorter term, like focusing on one specific initiative. But what's been great is like really getting to kind of rethink um, the company's marketing and messaging and what we're going to do in the future. So Alfred provides in-home help, whether it's picking up your groceries and delivering them, shopping at local stores, doing home cleaning, um, upholstery cleaning, handyman, and you can't be in someone's home in every market, nor do people really want that right now. I think things are shifting. So it's been really exciting to join the organization and be able to be part of that. What is the future of the company? What are the future services that people want and need? And really kind of using the pandemic to realign the business goals and services they offer. So even to that point, is it a service company or is it a lifestyle company? Um, and what I've loved is I joined at a time where I think people externally are starting to rethink their priorities and how they want to spend their time. I know that's something that I do every day and it's really top of mind for me, even to where I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to stay in Manhattan. That's where I currently live right now. If going to the office is a two day a week thing, I could move to the suburbs. And the interesting thing there is I think a lot of people are making that move, but I do think there's a want and a need to still have some of that city lifestyle. So it's really exciting to get to be a part of that change and repositioning um, the company for what we're going to provide to people. So then the million dollar innovation question we ask all of our guests where do you see yourself and your industry in a month from now, in a year from now, and 10 years from now? In a month from now, I think really um, 
I think the company will really be focused on helping people live well and consciously. Again, is going to the grocery store the best use of your time or do you want to have help doing that? Um, one of the things I love, so when we do grocery delivery, it is not just going to Whole Foods or these big box retailers. It's shopping local. It's helping you pick up stuff from your local bakery, brewery, coffee shop. Um, to me, that's one of the best things because I am very passionate about small businesses. I think one of the scary things about this time is seeing a lot of small businesses close their doors. So we are a platform that helps empower businesses to stay afloat by really helping people support them while not um, needing to leave their home if they don't want to or don't feel safe or um, have a situation where they really can't. So I think in the next month or so, we'll really see us focusing more on that small and local initiatives. I think that's something that the company has always prided itself on. But now more than ever, that's where we can make a huge impact. I think as people also start to consider moving out of major cities and changing their lifestyle, we can be a part of that change. We can really help people set up their life in a way where they are living more consciously and being able to focus on spending time on things that matter. You know, my friends with kids, they want to spend their weekends with their kids, but if they're working full time during the week, when are they going to go to the grocery store? When are they going to clean their home? How are they going to handle some of the day-to-day -day errands and things you just have to get done? And so being able to help people like that spend time with their kids and not take away from that family time is really great. I also think just generally people are really rethinking how they want to spend their time. I know even pre-pandemic, I was, it was hard sometimes getting to the grocery store and it was, do I go there late? Or do I take some time to R&R &R and focus on myself and what I need um, to feel good? So I think allowing people to not have to make those decisions is really positive impact. 10 years from now, I, I don't know. That's such a hard question. <laughs> I think I'm looking at all these companies. I have no idea where they're going to be 10 years from now, but if, if I had to guess, I think it's really helping, helping people with the things that they need. It could be anything. Um, who knows what direction this will go in, but allowing people to maybe live a more green lifestyle. Um, I know in Connecticut per household, people have two and a half cars. Is that necessary? Sometimes the car is used to just drive to the train or just to run errands if someone else is out. So can we help people only need to have one car or no cars? Maybe you're moving out of Manhattan to Connecticut or New Jersey or Long Island or wherever, and you're not ready to get a vehicle. That's okay. And we can help people with supplementing um, their needs. So I think people want want help and they need help, but they're afraid to ask for it. And that's really the core of what Alfred does. It's providing that help that people maybe don't know they need or afraid to ask for or feel silly asking for. And it's giving people the ability to easily get help and not have to bend over backwards to figure it out too. I think that's uh, being someone that's busy and has a full-time job and is really focused also on my external organizations I'm a part of. Um, sometimes even recognizing what I need help with is hard, but having a platform that can help me identify that 
and having someone and something I can rely on um, really helps me personally move forward. Um, I've been eating healthier because I get weekly grocery delivery. I'm not relying on myself to make it to the grocery store. I'm also not relying on frozen foods. I get amazing, healthy produce and meat and just things that I need for my everyday life on a weekly basis. And that's changed my lifestyle tremendously. I notice it in my mental health and my physical health. And so people recognize that I think is going to make a positive impact. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.